Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the GOAT sails off into the sunset. That's right, Tom Brady is finally retiring. Another great weekend in the NFL playoffs. Some NFL teams fill their head coaching vacancies. The Winter Olympics live from Beijing. Boats, blackjack, and hockey on the strip. Inside all the festivities for the NHL All-Star Weekend. NASCAR kicks off the season with an exhibition race in Los Angeles. The madness continues in college basketball. Our five college basketball games of the week. With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here. Me, Matt, and Colton in Matt's basement again. Uh, rainy night in Delaware. We got the snow apocalypse on the way. Um, big heavy snowstorm coming our way next in the next couple days. So, but we're going to get the show in tonight. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, like Colton said, we're gonna we're gonna start off with uh, some Tom Brady news. If you didn't hear, I'm sure you have. It's been going on for three or four days now. Uh, that Tom actually made it official. He is he is done after 22 seasons. And you know we could probably spend the whole hour of our show just talking about all the records that he that he that he owns but uh you know we're gonna we're gonna you know just give props to the guy and uh, then we'll move on to the next uh colton you want to start us out yeah like, like dad said i don't think that there's enough time in a in a day or in a week to talk about the number of stats or records or <clears throat> just all the things that he's accomplished in this you know 2022 seasons um you know it's just unbelievable the the longevity i think that's that's the big the big thing for me it's just the longevity of mm -hmm. playing a sport where you know you're one hit away from you know your career being over kind of deal and to play 22 seasons and and, and play competitively and and you know never really had a a season where you say man he's he's really falling off or he's you know the the, the, the old you know his old age is really catching up to him I mean, he was competitive for all 22 all 22 of those years so you know, good, good for him. You know, I, I think all of us, all of us kind of saw this coming a little bit based on some of the comments he had made, you know, previously about, you know, taking some time to think about it. You know, this is, I think the first true time that he's really kind of stepped away and said, man, I need to really think, think a little bit about this. It, every other year it's been like, no doubt I'm back next year. You know, I'm going to be play, you know, whatever, uh, that, that competitive fire was, was there. And, so I just think that this year was was different, just based on you know some of the comments he had made out out there, you know, put out there in the media about you know just taking some time away from the game and and, and really thinking with his family and and just you know really considering all of his all of his options. So I, I think this was this was you know prolonged you know delay, but uh, you know I think at the end this is this is the right move going out you know the way you know on on top and you know he. He has nothing more more to prove. Right. I mean, what what else does he have to do to, to, to mm -hmm. prove he's not only the probably the greatest NFL player, but maybe the greatest guy of sports of all time. I mean, it's it's one of those things that yeah, you could put him up there with with the Jordans or you know what Wayne Dretzky from from hockey. So yeah. it's he, he's up there on the Mount Rushmore of of, of sports. So. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he'll go down as definitely the greatest quarterback of all time, and quite possibly the the best player to ever play the, the game of football in the NFL. Right, right. And I, I know you said we couldn't list all of his stats and his records, but I got a few, few big ones right here. You know, won seven Super Bowls and 10 appearances, five Super Bowl MVPs, a uh, career NFL record for wins, 243, passing attempts, uh, 11,317, completion, 7,263, yeah. passing touchdowns, 624, 
and completions in a season, 485. Right. I mean, this guy did it all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But, yeah, and like, like Colton said, you know, the longevity of the thing. You, If you think back to, you know, when he first got the starting job, he was really the, the beneficiary of some great defenses out there in New England. Mm-hmm. You know, he had guys that um, – Mike Vrabel, Ty Law, Willie McGinnis, Rodney Harrison, Teddy, Richard Teddy Seymour, Brewski. Teddy Bruschi. Yeah, I mean, you, they had some great defenses that, you know, I think helped them win a lot of games and win at some Super Bowls early in his career. But like Colt said, he never fell off. In 2021, this last season, he had the most yards of his career, mm-hmm. most completions of, in a season in his career, and most T- TDs, uh, you know, in a season for his career, and his second highest completion percentage. So right. that's all at the age of forty-four. Forty-four years old. <laughs> so there was just no, there was just no drop off in this guy. And I think it, I think it, it, you know, shows the the preparations that he took. You know, preparing for a, a long NHL or NFL season, and you know the the seriousness that he took the took the job and leading the team. So you know, hats off to Tom and. and uh, you know, we wish him the best, you know, whether you like the, you like him or you like the Patriots, you like the Buccaneers, whatever, even if you're not a fan, you got, you got to give the guys props. Yeah. Got to appreciate, you know, the, the greatness that, that, that was Tom Brady. Well, with him sailing off in the sunset, do you guys see anybody that can approach his, his goat level that's playing right now? I mean, the closest has to be Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, He's played what four seasons, and he's had one Super Bowl win. He's been to Super Bowl, two yeah. Super Bowls. Yeah. So I mean, let's say he's a fourth of the way through his career. Right. Even even so, if you play that out, he he ends up at eight Super Bowls. That's still two less than Tom. Right. And, right. and he only wins four, so that's three less than Tom. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, and can, I, can anybody catch that? I, I yeah. just think you know it, it was. <sighs> I I think potentially with the with maybe like the passing touchdowns and the rec- the Super Bowls, I don't I don't think anybody touch that you know right. I, but I, I think, think passing records just for the style of game right well and, the, and because they've added that extra week into the nfl season i mean right. that obviously gives another opportunity for somebody mm-hmm. to put up some stats but i think it goes back to can you sustain that for that long right. i mean it, yeah the way he was able to stay healthy right you know and to play for 20 i mean 22 years i mean that, that that's half of his life he spent in the nfl so right. it, it's it's yeah unbelievable to think and, and, and at the same time he stayed healthy through all those yeah, 22 that's what I'm years. Saying. You know? Other than that one season yeah, where, where Jimmy G really got, got right, the shine. Right, right, right. Um, but other than that, I mean, he, he's been under center and, and, you know, been in every game. So you can't even say that in those 22 seasons, it's been kind of an injury, you know, plagued 22 years. Right. He, he's been under center for a good majority of, of his career. So, All right, very good. All right, we're going to stay with uh, pro football, stay on the gridiron here. We're going to go kind of recap the – AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game from last weekend. Uh, we'll start out with that Bengals-Chiefs game. Um, wow. Uh, you know, what do you say about the Bengals, man? They they just – They're gritty, man. Yeah, they just uh, they just believe they that quit. nobody can beat no, them. No quit. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's the persona of this team. That's the persona mm-hmm. of, of Joe Burrow. That There's just no quit. And, you know, I think with him being, you know, kind of the – I don't know the statue for for that grittiness and that. Um, right now, yeah. I think that really just rubs off on that team, and that that's what showed up in the in this game of no no quit no, and that that's been how they have been in this whole playoffs. Is you know we're we may play some close games, we may give our fans a heart attack, but we're gonna come out on top. We're gonna keep fighting. We're we're not giving up here. <clears throat> yeah, you know this game though, this is won and lost by the coaches. 
to me, you know, the uh, the Bengals made some awesome second half adjustments coming in after halftime, and and really just holding holding the Chiefs to nothing in that mm-hmm. second half. Yeah. But the, but the Chiefs made the biggest gaffe of the game here. They could have won in regulation had they kicked a field goal when they had five seconds left there before 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 halftime. Yeah. But to to let points come off the board in a game that critical is beyond me. Why you why you try to go for the jugular there and go for the touchdown? Take the points. And you win this game in regulation. It doesn't right. even go to overtime. Right, right. I think and the Andy Reid's kind of owned that too a little bit. He said uh, he didn't really he didn't he didn't say he would he, that he should have kicked the field goal. He said he should have called a better play. Yeah, I don't know that. The, um, I mean, yeah, the, the play call was not good either. I mean, right. I, I think I'm kicking the field goal regardless. But and it, to me, it was almost a little bit of a arrogance on the on the Chiefs' part. Absolutely. I thought that say. You know, because really the Bengals D hadn't, that really, point, hadn't really had no answer, them, had yeah. no answer for him. So I think they got a, a little bit uh, cocky or a little bit arrogant with that. And, and, that, and that stop just gave the Bengals that I, much and that was, Let's face it, I mean, that was a turning huge. point in the yeah, game. Yeah, because this was a big that momentum D came swing. out in the second half and, yeah. you know. You can look at all the numbers. Some swagger. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was, so, you know. You know, and they, and they got pressure on Mahomes in the second half. Not a lot of sacks, but like we talked about last week, you know, keeping him in the pocket, making him throw from the pocket, mm-hmm. not letting him get out and extend plays and, and you know, yeah. create when he gets outside the pocket. I think that was kind of the, the key to it there in the second half. So, you know, 21 to 10, they were down 21-3 at one point. It was 21 to 10 at halftime, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the and the Bengals just, like, like we said, they just never gave up. And, you know, they said, you know, they, they weren't worried. They said there was no nope. panic. You know, we're, we just got to come out and do our job, play the game like like we know how to play. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, like I said, just grit, I think, is one word you can use to describe this this game. And, and, and you know, the Bengals had it and the Chiefs didn't. So, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's, uh, you know. And I think it's also kind of funny or kind of ironic that, you know, a week before this we were talking, you know, should we change the NFL overtime rules? And right. The Chiefs were saying, "Oh no, the rules are fine. The rules are fine." Yeah. Well, now, now, they now they're not the beneficiaries. <laughs> right. You know, they, they win the coin toss but still lose the game. Now they're, you know, well, what's your take on that? You know, or what's? I would like to see the rules. Committee I, I mean, regardless, I, I'm saying the rules still need to be changed. Yeah, you know, I regardless, think of, I think they need to look at a different. It's system. just, it's just interesting how that, how that played out. Yeah, you right. know, for the for the Chiefs. So, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think the rules still need to be changed when it comes to overtime. But uh, you know, just just funny how how the two weeks played out for the Chiefs being involved in in both sides of the, the right. story. Although so. I think the way this game played out gives credence for not changing the rule. I think they won't look at it now just yeah. because of the way that game played right. out. Where yeah. where had had the Chiefs won? Maybe. I, yeah, I think two then, weeks then maybe it gets looked yeah, at. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. Um, on to the NFC. You had the 49ers in there against against the Rams, and again, this was a game that you know that the wasn't as a big a comeback, I guess, for the Rams, but the 49ers kind of controlled the game um, through the first three quarters. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter, they got outscored by 13 points mm-hmm. by the Rams. So, I mean, you know, I, I think to me the key was uh, Garoppolo just didn't have that it factor, I didn't think, in this game. Yeah, just uh, not, not enough to it, get it him just, over the hump. Yeah, right? yeah, this is just what, what we talked about last week. We said this game was going to come down to quarterback play, and when it mattered the most in the fourth quarter, Stafford was able to lead his team to a drive to get a, a winning touchdown, and Jimmy G threw, threw that ill-advised pass for an interception that mm-hmm. sealed sealed the deal. Right. right, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think for me the big thing was is, you know, even though the Rams didn't put up a ton of points – the 49ers really had no answer for the the duo of, of Cooper Cup and, and Odell oh, Beckham Jr. Uh, both of them 
Cooper Cup had 11 catches for 142 yards and, and two touchdowns. Um, Beckham didn't have any touchdowns, but he still had nine catches for 113 yards. Mm. So still big chunk yardage that the Rams were able to to get, and the 49ers just really didn't have an answer for that. But this was just a, a, a tough kind of, you know, in-your-face kind of game, you know, it, it was enough just to get a first down sometimes. Yeah. You know, both these defenses really were were locked in pretty pretty early. So, yeah, you you definitely were – if you if you got the opportunity to kick a field goal, you were kicking a field goal because yeah. that was almost as good as a touchdown in, in this type of game. So, right. so uh, we're going to make a prediction for the Super Bowl or are we going to hold it for I, next week? We'll, we we'll, we'll hold it off. We'll, we'll hold, hold it off. I, I think I like it's going it. to be good. Yeah. I really do. I think it's going to be yeah, I think there, really there's going to be some – I got some ideas maybe that I think will be keys for the game. But, yeah, yeah I think we'll hold off till next week. Leave um, you wanting some more. That's right. 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 Make, you, make you tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we'll move on. We'll stay with the gridiron, but a little bit. We're going to move on with some coaching uh, slots that have been filled. Um, we'll start off with the Chicago Bears. Matt, what, what you got with the Bears? Yeah, this is one of my personal favorite hires just because the guy's from Ohio. Uh, Matt Eberflus, he, he played college football in Toledo. He's born in Toledo, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts prior to landing this job. It's his first head coaching job. But I, I think the key for his success with the Bears is going to be who he hires for the offensive coordinator because yeah, it's, it's going to be the key of developing I think Justin they, I Fields. I think they already did. did uh, they hired a defensive one today. I, I hadn't thought they heard hired, they hired, I thought the they hired uh, Luke Ketsky. Yeah, I think okay. so. I think I had seen something about them well, hiring. Right, he's got some Mac ties too. I think he uh, <clears throat> coached at Akron maybe. Okay, or, could could be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, I did see something. I think they did hire um, offensive coordinator. I didn't get to see, you know, all of his credentials or, you know, his background or whatever. But, yeah, I think that definitely is a key because, yeah, yeah you know, Matt Eberfliss, you know, made Big some comments, guy. you know, made some comments recently in the media saying, you know, Justin is our guy going, you know, Justin yeah. Fields who they drafted, you know, this past draft. Is, is the guy that they want to be their quarterback going forward. So having said that, you know, you got to build that offense around him to match his style of play and things like that. So offensive coordinator definitely is, is very yeah. important. Yeah, I do have that. Uh, he was the uh, um, quarterback's coach from Green Bay. Luke gets okay, it. okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. yeah. Well, I was going that's a guy who works with Aaron Rodgers. Right, right, not a bad, bad right. guy and to then they, And then they, uh, you know, brought another guy from the Colts as their defense coordinator, Alan Williams, who was their safeties coach from Okay. All so right. From the Colts. So, um, you know, that I think that the way I understood it, he was the only one that the Colts would let let them interview and, and they took him. So uh, I agree with Matt. You know, it's it's going to be uh, how they work. The, you know, they, they got a good defense. The Bears got a good defense. They were sixth against the pass overall last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the key, and, I, and this is my, this is kind of my question, Mark, the key, I think, to, for them is developing Justin Fields oh, building. Yeah. And, and, and Matt has said, Matt Everplus has said that they're going to build a team around him, mm-hmm. but he's been a defensive guy his whole life. So is that, yeah. I mean, is that, yeah, that's why it was key. That offense coordinator had to be, had to be key. You yeah. got to get the right guy to make right. this all work. Right. So yeah. Definitely. I think, I think, yeah, I think, and if it, if I am right, that gets, he is the guy, you know, obviously working with uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers there in green Bay. So, you know, maybe that is, maybe that is the way that they can, it's a little, it's a little different uh, style than Fields, though. He mm-hmm. thought maybe try to go after somebody who had a little bit somebody with a little more running, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, run pass option kind of deal right. there. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see how how it works out. You know, obviously Eberflus is getting a getting a team that went six and eleven last year and you know missed the playoffs and they've missed the playoffs now in nine of the past eleven seasons. Haven't won a playoff game since 2010. So I think the expectations are are low. So I, if I'm setting the bar low, I'm saying. 
maybe in the first year we just make the playoffs. Right. That, that's where we're that's where we're headed. That's what we're got our I eyes say, set on. I'd say get to five hundred. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to start because that's a team that really has not played well right. offensively. I think offensively is the big the big key. Yeah. I think that defense is going to be okay. Right. It's it's what what can the offense do to help support that defense? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, next on the list, I got the Broncos who hired another guy from Green Bay. Um, uh, let's see, Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, you know, Green Bay's former offensive, offensive coordinator. coordinator. Yep. And he also brought the tight ends coach um, from Green Bay, Justin Outler. Okay. All right. Um, as their deep, he's going to be there. Yeah. 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 From Green Bay. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, and, but here's the other thing that just came out this week. Now Denver's up for sale. Yeah. So that, that puts a monkey wrench into some interesting stuff. That's for sure. Well, I did hear Elway is a big part of the group that wants to buy them. So that kind of keeps some continuity Manning, I guess, is possibly in that group right. as well. And, you know, you know, obviously he's a legend with the Colts, but, you know, spent a few seasons there yeah. in Denver and, and won them a Super Bowl. So, um, you know, that, that would be good to have those two influences, Absolutely. you know, on the ownership or in the front office. So, but so, I, so go okay. ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I, I feel like this move was really kind of a move to try to be able to win that Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes here. Yeah. You know, they got a guy that Aaron Rodgers really likes. He, he's even he's even said Nathan Hackett's going to be a great head coach for somebody and he'd love to play for him someday. Right. So yeah. just hearing those things and knowing that's out there, I, I got a feeling that we're going to see a Hail Mary pass to get Rodgers to 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 the Broncos and mm-hmm. really yeah. kick this and thing off. And even though this guy went to the went to the Bears, it was my understanding that Denver or uh, Rodgers said don't let Getzey get away. Yeah. So. As a coach from Green Bay, so Right, very very. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens if they do, if they do make a hard sell for for Aaron Rodgers there in Denver. Right. Yeah. And, and everything I was reading is that uh, Nathaniel Hackett was actually, he was scheduled to interview with the Jaguars the day after the Broncos mm-hmm. got the deal. So they, you know, the Jaguars are probably going to wrap him up or try to seal the deal, but the Broncos mm-hmm. beat him to it and yeah, got yeah. the deal done the day, you know, the night before, the day before he was supposed to interview with the Jaguars. So the Jaguars you know, are still hunting. Right. And they're, yeah. they're still hunting, but yeah, it, it should be, should be interesting. And I, I honestly thought this is the route that the Broncos would go. And we yeah. kind of talked about the vacancy a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. their defense has been solid. And then that, you know, that's been, you know, Vic Fangio is a, is a defensive guy had that defense kind of keyed in, but it was always the offense just didn't have enough. So I thought the Broncos would, would shift and go, go offense here, knowing that the defense, as long as you get, you know, a somewhat defensive, good defensive coordinator in there, they'll mm-hmm. manage. Okay. Uh, but they got to get that offense, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, whoever the quarterback is, they got to get, get him moving in the, in the right direction. Right. Yeah. All right. Next I got uh, the giants who picked up, the the offensive coordinator from the Bills, um, Brian Dayball. So, you know, obviously the work that he did with Josh Allen and in, in the Bills, I think, is is made Enough him to say is a, is made him a hot commodity. I think in the NFL. So, and I think that's going to be the because I, I feel bad for Daniel Jones. You know, mm-hmm. he was uh, six six pick in the 2019 draft. Mm-hmm. This will be his third head coach and his fourth new offensive coordinator since that, he's been tough. in the league. No continuity there whatsoever. So, I, I to me, you can't put the blame on Daniel Jones. Well, with this guy, with Dan, with Dayball coming in, we'll see if he is the quarterback that you know they they hoped he could be by taking him sixth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I think it's a good move for the Giants. I like the hire. Yep. So, tell me what you guys think. 
yeah, I don't think there's much more, much more to say about, you know, about this guy, obviously, you know, the couple of seasons, past seasons he spent in Buffalo working with Josh Allen. And I mean, the Buffalo Bills offense has been one of the, you know, juggernauts here the past couple of years. So definitely his, his resume speaks, speaks for himself. Um, You know, obviously it's a little bit different situation. I don't know. You know, we don't really know what Daniel Jones is capable of. Obviously we, we saw what Josh Allen could do, but is Daniel Jones on the same level uh, as Josh Allen? And up until this point, you would say no. Um, just be, but is that because of the coaching, you know, right. or, or the pieces around him, or you know, what what the deal is? So I think it's it's really going to be interesting to see is is Dable really really the guy? Is he really the, the the person that helped revitalize that Bills offense, or was it more the players just really started to play well and, and things like that. So I think we do got to be careful with, with those comparisons just because the Giants don't have the defense the Bills have, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's going to make a huge difference yeah. on how this really plays out sure. for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the Giants' key is just, just to get like kind of like the Bears, get themselves to 500 and right. then go from there. But I mean, in their division, I mean, they're di- obviously the Cowboys excelled this year, but their division is usually somewhat weak. So like right. if yeah. the Giants can put together, you know, somewhat of a decent team, they got a real shot right at, yeah. at not only winning their division, but, you know, making it, making the playoffs right. then. So, yeah. But, yeah. you know, and another thing I thought it was interesting though, this is three for three. Now these guys are all first time head coaches. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, that seems to be the trend lately, but it hasn't really seemed to be working out lately. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's something people should be sticking to or right, at some or point not. though these guys got to get a shot so. right right yeah. i mean it's it's one of those things that i mean if you're the giants i mean they've fired three coaches in two years so right. i mean they're saying you know two years later if it don't work out we'll start over again they're you know not afraid to pull the trigger or pull the plug i guess so mm-hmm. uh, i guess they're willing to just take the risk and say you know they they outweigh the, the reward outweighs the risk i guess or you know whatever but we'll right. see how it works out for the giants all right, the last one, a guy that has been a head coach, but I didn't ever think he was ever going to leave New England, was, you know, Josh McDaniels uh, got hired by the Raiders this mm-hmm. week. So um, he spent 18 years in New England, 13 of them as the offensive coordinator, and has six Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. Um, so give me your guys' thoughts on on Josh McDaniels there in Oak, in Las Vegas. Yeah, I think it's going to be going to be interesting. Um, obviously, we, we he's been a you know a head coach before, um, so he has a little bit of experience compared to the the rest of the hires. But you know, didn't have the greatest of success. You know, there there in Denver, he started out his tenure. He was six and zero, so you thought, oh man, this is going the right direction. We found our guy. Then the next you know twenty two games, he went five and seventeen. So right. then it's it's one of those things that yeah, maybe maybe not. But I, I think you know he inherits obviously. Uh, a, a Raiders team that made the playoffs, a surprise playoff team that, that really fought hard, you know, up until the last, you know, last part of the season and, and was able to make a, a playoff push um, and was, you know, maybe one or two plays away from advancing in the, in the, uh, in the NFL playoffs. But uh, so I think he's got, you know, a decent team. Obviously I think there's a little bit of maybe some, some culture issues there, there in Las Vegas um, still trying to figure out what, you know, what kind of team they are and just maybe some off the field issues as well. So definitely gonna have to come in there and, you know, maybe clean up some things and just, you know, get everybody on the, on the same page and, and you know, build some chemistry there. But, you know, I, I like the hire, obviously, you know, offensive minded guy has had you know a lot of success there in new England. Um, so we'll see what, what he can do in Las Vegas. Yeah. And, you know, this deal was really, it was a package deal because they, they also signed, I believe a, a G, their GM came from new England as well. So they came over together. Um, I, 
I don't know if that helps or, or hurts. I, I think having a good relationship with the GM probably yeah, helps definitely. do the things you need to do. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do think this is going to be a different situation for McDaniel than when he was with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. The Broncos didn't really have an established quarterback. And yeah. now he's got Derek Carr, who's, yeah. you know, maybe not top five of the league, but, but he's definitely a top 10 quarterback mm-hmm, in the league. Mm-hmm. He, he puts up some great stats and I, I, I Definitely gives you a solid base and foundation to work with. Sure. Right, absolutely. Yeah. I just, I still am just concerned that, you know, I know he was only the uh, special teams coordinator, but the guy that took him to the, to the playoffs in Rich Masach, I, I guess I'm still confused as to, I think it's a good hire, but I'm still confused as to why you just didn't hire the guy that got you to the playoffs. Yeah. Right, after he inherited what seemed to be a, a, a complete, you know, bombshell, um, you yeah. know, that he inherited there and, and was able to do, I, I think I think if I remember correctly, he did get interview. Obviously, yeah, he got interview with the he Jags. You know, didn't didn't. Uh, yeah, he just interviewed with the Jags as well. So okay. he is up for another head coach right. job. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up this segment, that was my next question. Just real quick to you guys, we got what the Texans, the Dolphins, and the Jags still, and the Saints, and the and Vikings. The, oh, and the well, yeah, and the, yeah, the Saints. I forgot about. Yeah. So yeah, so. Dolph- Dolphins, Texans, Saints, Vikings. So there's still five. You know, they've only filled four spots, and there's. Still five more, you know, what I think, you know, Peterson, I think is still out over oh, that Peterson's still Doug out Peterson's there, out uh, there. Doug Peterson. And, um, yeah, I, I don't some know. Some other I, ones, obviously Brian Flores, but we don't know what's, you know, there's obviously some off the field mm-hmm. stuff that that's going on with that about, you know, suing the NFL over some, you know, some questionable things. Um, but you know, I, I would think that he would be up, you know, to oh, possibly man. get I one of those jobs. I and, think he's a great hire. Yeah. I don't know. You know, obviously if all this stuff is true that he is claiming, I mean, that that's just, uh, you know, shame on the NFL yeah, or, you know, whatever. Um, because I think the guy, yeah, is, Got a got a raw deal there in, in Miami and, and still should be the coach there, but you know definitely should be in consideration for one of these one of these other jobs. So the question is, where would he really want to be? There, I don't think anybody wants the Texans job. That, mm. That's just a dumpster fire. Right. I think he's going to have to be a first time coach there. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, that's another dumpster fire. I don't the think Saints really uh, to me to is the best looking team out yeah, there. Right, the right. Saints or the Vikings, I think, are, are your, yeah. your two options that are that are pretty decent. Yeah, right. so you I, build a winning. You have already somewhat of a winning team right. there that you can build around. Something to, <clears> to start with. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a commercial. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back at you. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back at you. Thanks for staying staying tuned through the commercial. Uh, We're going to head now next to the back to the amateur ranks and the Winter Olympics coming up. Um, We got some, I guess, you know, obviously to me, Ice hockey is always the thing I'm looking forward to um, and, and the snowboarding and in, in particular this year, because this is Sean White's, you know, he said he's all done after this. The guy's been, he's been an Olympic gold medalist since 2006. Yeah. Uh, long, long time. You know, 35 years old. still out there competing with the young bucks and, and, <laughs> you know, in a, in a sport that, wow, 
it's yeah. easy to get busted up there. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know? he's taking his sure enough, you know, busted right. up times, that's for sure. So, but a little bit about hockey. Well, yeah, I'll go into my hockey stuff, I guess, first. Um, the NHL's not competing. Right. Guys right. from the NHL um, are not competing in, in, in the Olympics. So, Canada, who was the odds-on favorite going into this Olympics, now with the guys from the NHL opting out, has dropped to fourth. Mm-hmm. And the United States was actually second favorite, yeah. okay. and they've dropped to sixth. Wow! So what that's done is moved Russia, Finland, and Sweden to the top three, respectively. There, which so, really makes sense because their amateur hockey there right. is, is huge. I mean, right. oh, hockey is just like guys. a you live, die, you know, right. live, right. breathe, it's and like, die. It's like baseball, right? Right. right. So, it's essentially a pro league over there. Right. 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 So yeah, I guess so. You know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You yeah. know, obviously, you know, we've shown, the United States has shown, you know, great heart in the ice hockey competition. So, I, that's, I'm looking to see, you know, if we can if we can hang with, you know, some of our younger players in there mm-hmm. against some of the best in the world. So, that, that's right. one of the, that's the, that's one of the, um, I guess, sports or one of the events that I'm looking forward to the most. Mm-hmm. And again, and again, the, uh, the half the half pipe okay yeah, you know and i'll give credit on the hockey side it's not just the men's the, the u.s women's hockey team has a great hockey team and absolutely it's, it's oh, exciting yeah. action to even watch the women play hockey it's, yeah, yeah it's a great time i you know i enjoy watching that you know another event i always like to watch is the speed skating it's just to see those guys going as fast as they are around yeah. the ice when i when i can barely get around the ice <laughs> right? you know as it is without yeah. you know hitting you know falling on my butt or whatever and those guys do it in you know 10 seconds or whatever it's like wow yeah. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and then, of course, something everybody's got to watch this year. I, I heard uh, Jamaica's bobsled team actually made made the Olympics. Yeah, so actually the, the, men's, the men's bobsled team. Right, yeah. Very good. That's so, awesome. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's a, that's an event I, I like to watch is, is the bobsled just because of, yeah, the, the movie, the Disney movie, of, you know, the Jamaican bobsled team. But now that they're competing again, I think it makes it even more of a, of a story to, to watch. But, you know, another sport where, you know, a sport that, the U.S. isn't very good at, but I, you know, somewhat enjoy watching, and that that's curling to see, yeah. you know, just what it, you know, the, all of it that goes into it. Yeah, the U.S. is not very good usually in the, in the event. There's, you know, always a kind of a weird or strange country that's really good at that at that at that particular event. But uh, so yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting interesting to see, and you know, it taking place in in Beijing, China, um, which is the first time that that China's ever hosted the Winter Olympics. So mm-hmm. be interesting to see the the venue and how how it all plays out there, you know, in, in China with, you know, them hosting the, the Winter Games for the for the first time. Yeah, so. the, the Winter Games are never just quite as exciting as the Summer Games. Yeah, yeah. There, there's less, less events, I think, yeah. is is what right. I was, was kind of reading. So, you know, there's not as much, you know, action or, you know, not as many sports spread out over so right. many days mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. But still some exciting stuff to, to watch Absolutely. for sure and, and gives us gives us something to talk about, obviously. So. All right. Um, on to the NHL, NHL All-Star Weekend um, in Vegas this weekend. Um, doing, some, doing some crazy stuff out there with the, <laughs> with the skills events. Um, you know, they're going to have the traditional indoor events um, in the skills like the fastest skater, the goalie save streak, the hardest, hardest shot, um, accuracy shooting, and um, back for the first time since 2016 is the trick shot challenge, which mm-hmm. is kind of – I guess I liken it to the uh, kind of, slam dunk contest because yeah. mm-hmm. it's scored on a one to ten yeah. by a panel of judges. So, right. but the thing that Vegas is doing a little bit different, they're they're going to be in the fountains of the Bellagio, yep. shooting from a boat, 
yep. shooting pucks off a boat into targets yep. uh, for to see the fastest to hit the targets from these boats while the fountain's going off. Right. Yeah. They're getting sprayed in the face while these, you know, right. fountains are going off. And, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less than Vegas. They right. always try to, you know, one up every, you know, everybody or, you know, whatever. And obviously they have a ton of different venues to be able to pull, pull something like this off. And I think, yeah, this is, this is kind of an, a, a neat event and exciting event uh, to, to watch. And, you know, the players will actually be out, you know, out on boats in the, in the water, um, mm-hmm. you know, shooting hockey pucks into into these different you know targets and things like that um from what i was reading there's eight different participants that'll be taking place in in this event and then i'm assuming you know from what i was kind of reading is like the top two that that score the most points or goals or however they however they score it then face off in like a head-to-head in the the final for the for the championship so It'll be interesting to see. I mean, definitely something to tune into that, you know, obviously is a lot different, a bit different. different than what they've done in the past. Well, I saw they were also bringing the, the game of blackjack to the ice. They have the NHL yeah. 21 and 22 where the it, it's basically just a, you know, a, a, a target shooting yeah. competition right. where they have oversized cards and you're trying, you're to, get trying to get to 21 get as close as quick, as with the least amount of shots. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Not, that's going to be outside too. Yeah, that's going to be. I think right on like the strip. I think is what I was oh, reading. Really? Um, right, right on like Las Vegas Boulevard. So they'll oh. obviously they'll obviously shut down a part of, of Las Vegas Boulevard to, to be able to do this. But uh, yeah, so be interesting event to to you know see who who takes place and you know how how it you know how it kind of plays out if if it plays out you know maybe to be as competitive as they want it to be or if it'll just be you know somebody. Kind of runs away with right. it or whatever, but uh, uh, hopefully the NFL will be able to live up to this when we go out there for the draft because it yeah. sounds like it's going to be a pretty exciting event. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think I think at the end of the day, the players are are more interested if they win any of these events, they take home thirty thousand dollars. So yeah. you know that's a that, you know obviously some of these players are making you know millions or whatever, but there's some players that are making their first you know all star appearances or right. making whatever. And, well, and that money's not coming from the NHL either. It's also it's coming from the DraftKings Sportsbook. Okay, it's, all right. Yeah, so there you go. So it's it's uh, you know straight from a, a sponsor of of some yeah. sort. So it, it maybe means a little bit more in that in that respect. So all right, very good. Yeah, and only in Vegas. Right. Um, all right. Uh, we're gonna move on to another. I think kind of to me kind of an oddity in sports this weekend is NASCAR inside the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's not a race for points, but uh, it's kind of kicking off the season as an exhibition. They're gonna they set up a quarter mile asphalt track inside yeah. the L.A. Coliseum. It's gonna be interesting to see how that track actually gets set up in there to, to be able to put it in and take it out. I, yeah, I, I just I can't well, they, envision how that's really. They've been work. working on it since New Year's Day. Uh-huh. They took out all the grass. Okay. The grass all came out. And okay, they've actually. They did a computer-generated program to see what the banking needs to be, mm-hmm. and the, but I'm I'm just concerned with how the track will hold up. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Know, I, I don't know. I just it worries me safety-wise, but I guess the good thing is on a quarter-mile track, they're not reaching the the speeds that yeah uh, you know they do on the super speedways obviously right and, and from what i was kind of reading because of this is kind of a preseason or exhibition race they're not racing what you would consider like traditional mm-hmm. you know full like 200 lap race right. they're they're breaking it up into kind of smaller heat so that the track may be able to hold up a little bit better because they're breaking it down like into like 50 lap races or you know 75 lap, lap races so a lot smaller you know uh sample size or whatever but yeah i think it's just definitely going to be interesting and 
you know, this event typically is held at, at Daytona every year to kind of kick off the, right. the season, but they, they decided to switch it up and, 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 you know, with NASCAR trying to draw in more fans or just, you know, drum up some kind of interest. Uh, I think again, like we talked about at the end of, towards the end of last season, uh, trying to appeal to a broader base, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. But, uh, I, I guess to me, another question I have, I cannot imagine. I've been to live NASCAR races before, and it's freaking loud. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine what the noise is going to be like inside <laughs> yeah. that Coliseum. Right. Yeah. It's going to be deafening. You're, yeah. You better wear ear protection, folks. <laughs> right. If right. you're going, if we got any listeners out in LA or from anywhere else that are going to this race, yeah. please, for for God's sakes, bring for, ear protection. For, for I can imagine it'd be pretty similar to Bristol, but but even louder because it's even more confined. Yeah. Than yeah. Right. Right. They haven't had another little stat I found our viewers might or listeners might find um interesting is nascar hasn't raced on a quarter mile track since 1971 wow mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so you know the the move has been to bigger tracks and you know the smallest one they race on now is in bristol so. right right and yeah. th- this is also the debut of the of the new setup for the cars in this race yeah so they, are the future yeah the next gen car or whatever or, yeah seventh seventh new generation chassis that uh we, yeah. we got here um it, we're, we're good at you know um okay. but uh yeah yeah I, I think at the same time you know it's it's something interesting that we that we're you know witnessing here of them racing inside the, the coliseum uh but it's not the first time that it's been you know done in nascar they actually raced in inside of soldier field it's been many many years back in 1956 oh my. they they set up a track inside of soldier field I missed where, that one i didn't see that yeah where, where the bears you know play play their home games at um so not the first time it's been done inside of a, a sports arena, but a uh, one that's been done, you know, in, in a long, long time. So it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out for for NASCAR. But uh, you know, another interesting NASCAR story I was coming across that not related to this event, but uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but actually Floyd Mayweather Jr. now has a his own NASCAR oh, team. I he did read that. He, I don't know if he, I don't believe he'll be debuting or he won't be racing in this particular event, but he is planning to race in 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 the first, you know, first race of the season in Daytona, you know, the Daytona 500 here, here in a couple of weeks. So when we, when we talk about that, you know, well, that'll be something to, to watch That's or, you know, it. whatever. Yeah, so I, maybe you guys read this and I, I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe you guys can uh, validate this. Is there, I think there's only 23, 23 racers. Uh, they're only letting 23 cars in this. Um, uh, no, this is being set up. Uh, all drivers are eligible. I actually uh, pulled pulled the info on this. Okay. Uh, yeah. All drivers are eligible. Uh, the 36 charter teams and up to four open teams can participate to qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on lap times, then cars are put in one of four heat races, 25 laps. Top four drivers in each of those 25 lap heats advance to the next round. Uh, all non-advancing drivers in 25 lap heat are assigned to one of two 50 lap heats. Mm-hmm. And then the top three drivers in each of those 50 lap heats go to the final 150 lap final race. Okay. But yeah. I, 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 I read something. I think that there's 40 guys that can, that can try to qualify, but I, I'm pretty sure there's only 23 cars out there. Maybe, time. maybe, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. I, I saw the, the thing that Matt was talking about be, being open to all, you know, drivers yeah. or, you know, teams or whatever. And maybe the, the final race will only be 23 maybe, cars or maybe you know, something like that. Um, but it was a little yeah. confusing for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, all the different heats and stuff like that was, yeah, a little bit, a uh, little bit confusing there, but uh, should be still exciting, you oh, know, yeah. to see yeah, and, and a different venue for NASCAR, like I said, to try to draw in some, some new fans or you know a new fan base to, to help help out the sport so all right to the hardwood we go with our games of the week start off with a, a game on thursday night um eight o'clock on espn we got 
uh, number three, UCLA at 16 and two going up against number seven, Arizona at 17 and two mm-hmm. top 10 matchup from out there in the pack, pack, pack 10. Um, you know, I, this this could be a good game, fell. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. to me, you got the the senior leadership on that on that UCLA team. But looking at Arizona's stats, um, they're averaging eight more blo- points a game, mm-hmm. six more rebounds a game, six more assists a game, and two more blocks a game mm-hmm. than than UCLA is. So to me, I, I like I like Arizona in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take them over. I'm going to take them over the Bruins in this game. Yeah. Man, I, I swear you read my notes, Rob. I have almost the exact same thing written down. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going Arizona as well. Right. Yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, this, this is the second time that these two teams are going to be facing off. Uh-huh. They, they played yeah. each other like just like a week or two ago. So seeing each other rather quickly again. So I think it'll make for, for an interesting matchup because the first game, you know, UCLA won by, you know, about 16. Four, yeah, 16 points. So I think, you know, seeing each other again so closely going to make a little bit closer battle i like the i like the wildcats to, to get it done you know in the in that first game they only shot 30 percent from the field where where ucla shot 50 percent from yeah. the field so i think the numbers will, will, will you know be a little bit closer there as far as shooting goes arizona's playing at home i, I like the wildcats to pull off the upset so we all agree on that one <clears throat> wow that's unusual <laughs> um uh next game on the slate's a noon game on saturday this game's on fox uh, you got the number 17 Yukon Huskies coming in at 15 and five against the number 12 Villanova at 16 and five. Matt, give me your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be another close game. Both these teams are averaging 70 plus points a game. I think, I think it's going to come down to uh, the free throw line. And this is where I, I find a big discrepancy here. Villanova's shooting 82%, which leads the country for best free throw shooting team in the country. Yeah. Yukon's only shooting 74%. Villanova also commits three less turnovers per game. I think those couple of keys right there are going to be enough to, to get Villanova a close victory. Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, I think it comes down to to defense. Yeah, both these teams offensively are, are pretty similar, but the Wildcats, you know, Villanova only giving up about fifty nine points per game, which is good for first in the in the Big East. So I think the defense there they they limit you know three point opportunities. They only let opponents shoot about thirty percent from the three point line. They do a good job of you know limiting limiting those outside shots. I think it'll be a little bit low scoring game, but I think Villanova gets gets the W. I'll be the dissenting vote in this one. <laughs> I got the UConn Huskies. I, right. They 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 beat Auburn in double overtime earlier in the season, and I like the way they protect the rim. They're averaging seven blocks a game, uh, and I think that's going to be enough to get UConn over the hump. All right. <clears throat> Next game is a two o'clock game. You got uh, sixteen and six. Iowa State at number twenty, um, going up, going into Texas against number twenty-three Texas at sixteen and six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ISU, they, you know, they had a tough week this week. They lost, just lost to Kentucky or to Kansas on Tuesday. Um, I like Texas in this game. They're only giving up fifty-five points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, they and they also lost Tuesday to Texas Tech. So you got two teams coming in off of losses to ranked teams. You know, playing each other on Texas's home court. I just I just like that defense from Texas to to give ISU fits and I got I got I got the Longhorns. Yeah, what you what you think, Matt? Yeah, I'm I'm going right with Rob on this one. I'm with the Longhorns as well. And I I, I do think again this is gonna be another close game. I mean, these two teams are almost identical when it comes down to stats. Mm-hmm. And the free throw line again was where you, you see a little bit of a discrepancy. Texas shoots about six percent better from the line. Mm-hmm. That's good for at least one point and a right. close game that that's all it takes. Yeah. I'm going Texas. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I gotta be 
the, the third one to, to agree with all of you. I got wow. Texas in this one. Um, you know, they, these two teams matched up earlier in the season and Iowa state came out, came out on top on that one, 79 to, to 70. But I think the difference in that game was Texas had 20 turnovers in that game and, and it led to 23 points for, for Iowa state. I think in this game, Texas takes care of the ball a little bit more, but you talk about free throws, both of these teams, they, they average about 20 fouls a game. So it's really, for me, going to come down to that free throw line. And like you said, Texas shoots the ball, I think, you know, a little bit better than, than Iowa State from the free throws in a close game. That That's what's going to gonna come down to is who knocks down their free throws to to make some clutch clutch buckets down the stretch. I like Texas on their home court to, to get a W. All right. All right. So next one we got on the slate, it's a 4 o'clock game on ESPN. This one's going to be a slugfest, folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number eight, Baylor at 19 and three. Against number ten Kansas at eighteen and three, um, Baylor is outscoring their opponents as compared to what they give up by seventeen points. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, I I don't remember the last time I saw that big a differential. Yeah. Um, Kansas just coming off that big win against Kentucky. No, they lost. Or man. I mean, the big loss got beat up by Kentucky yeah. is what I actually wrote in my notes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so but they they have beat a good Texas Tech team in uh, Iowa State. Um, but I, I like Baylor in this one just because of that that differential on the you know points allowed and points scored. So I'm going to take number eight Baylor over the Jayhawks. Yeah, definitely. This one is going to be very very interesting. Both teams kind of had a had a poor showing in that Big Twelve SEC challenge. Baylor got upset by Alabama, who wasn't even ranked at the time, and you know hasn't had the greatest of season and then you know kansas got pretty much run out of their own home court you know there against against kentucky so both these teams coming into it you know needing some wins to kind of stay up up top there in the big 12 standings and you know kind of compete with each other there but uh you know i I like kansas i think that you know playing at playing at home is going to be i I think the difference for them i I don't know there's going to be a very very close game uh both both these teams as far as statistics go pretty pretty solid across the board. Uh, I think for me, it's going to be, can Baylor stop Kansas from getting so many offensive rebounds? They, they average almost 13 offensive rebounds, um, you know, in, in, and that's good for first in the, in the big 12. So the key is for, you know, for Baylor to be able to win this game, they got to keep Kansas off the boards to get easy second chance points. But I just think, I think Kansas will be a little bit too much for them. I think they get the W at, at, at home. Yeah. Uh, I'm with Colton on this one. I, I'm going with Kansas as well for all the same reasons Colton said. And also because Kansas is slightly, slightly more battle tested this season. They have three wins over ranked opponents where mm-hmm. Baylor's only got one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They've seen a little more battle and they, okay. they've been through the trenches. So yeah. I, I think that gives them a little bit of an edge. Absolutely. All right. Last game, a uh, six o'clock game on Saturday on ESPN. Uh, biggest rivalry in ba- in basketball, no <laughs> doubt. Duke going into North Carolina. Uh, Matt, we'll let you get we'll let you get us started with that one. Well, I'll start with what I'm sure is going to be the dissenting vote because I know who you two are going for. <laughs> so, but I'm taking North Carolina on this okay, one. Okay. On paper, these two teams are closer than the rankings suggest. Both mm-hmm. teams are scoring nearly 80 points a game. In a rivalry game like this one, though, it, I think a lot of times it comes down to home court advantage. Yeah, North yeah. Carolina's got it here, and I, I'm taking them in a close one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't know what you, what more you could say about the history between these two, these two teams, and obviously Coach K's last game of going into the going into the Dean Dome and 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 playing against you know his his bitter rival there in, in North Carolina. Um, unfortunately, won't be against you know his his opponent in Roy Williams as he you know made his exit from North Carolina the year before, but. Uh, 
you know, still going to be a, a, you know, a slug it out game. And, you know, you can basically throw out the records when it, when it comes to this, this kind of game. But for me, I, I think the difference, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a big, big Duke fan. And I'm taking them to win this game, but I think it's just going to be Duke's Duke's defense. Um, you know, the other night against Notre Dame, I mean, they pretty mm-hmm. much shut down Notre Dame, you know, who came into the game averaging well over 80 points and, and, and shooting lights out from three point range. Uh, Duke really clamped down, you know, didn't have the greatest offensive night, but still, were, were very very solid on the on the defensive side. I think that's going to be the difference uh, for for Duke, and I think Duke comes out with a with a win in in, in Chapel Hill. <clears throat> All right, very good. Well, I you know let me start off by saying these two teams, even though the rankings are you know um, North Carolina is not ranked, Duke's ranked number nine, but uh, North Carolina is right behind Duke in the conference. They're mm-hmm. eight and three. Duke's eight and two in the conference. So. You know, and that's a competitive ACC is always a, a competitive conference. And, you know, they got Armando Baycott at every he's shooting 57 percent from the floor, man. Mm-hmm. That's that's smoking. Right. But I guess the thing that that scares me with North Carolina is they've only beat one ranked team all year. Mm-hmm. And that was Michigan yeah. early in the season. And we see what's happened to Michigan so far this year. So, right. Right. Um, so, you know, and Duke's coming in almost as good as Baylor on that differential. Mm-hmm. They're they have a 16 point differential averaging six blocks a game and seven steals a game. So right. like Colton said, they are, they are heating it up on the defensive end and all of their law. The thing that bothers me with Duke though, is all their losses have been to unranked teams. Uh, yeah. It's, so it's, it's been just, there. It's the just, potential is there. I mean, so I guess, you know, they, they, they need to play better against teams that, you know, they should beat. Um, but I, I'm going to give Duke the edge in this one. I just, I just don't think that they can, they can shut down Bancaro. Um, in this game, I don't think they got. I don't think they got the athletes to keep up with Duke in this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think another key in this one is going to be offensive rebounds. You know, you talk about Baycott there. You know, he's he's a stud on on the board. He's averaging almost 13 rebounds himself on. You know, and, and a lot of those coming on the offensive side of the ball too. So, going to definitely have to keep him off the boards. You know, make sure to box out. And Duke has definitely been vulnerable to to the offensive rebounds just because they are such a great you know shot blocking team. Sometimes that puts them out of Get a position. Position. Out of position a little bit, so you know if North Carolina can take advantage of that, you know there there is you know upset you know maybe you know spelling out for for the for the Tar Heels. So. All right, well that's all we got for you tonight. We're gonna come back at you Thursday next week um, live from Matt's basement, um, and I'll let Colton sign us out. Yeah, guys, we we appreciate you you listening. So you know thanks for listening to Fired Up with your host Colton Cal, Chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. Uh, you know we hope you enjoyed our our, our show this week, and uh, you know if you want to hear other topics for for future episodes or you know just got a big burning sports question you want to hear us you know debate it out here here on the show you know don't hesitate to, to reach out to us on our on our social medias we got um, an instagram at, at fired up underscore podcast or you can find us on facebook at, at fired up comma sportscast um uh, sports podcast um so you know look us up on those different social medias reach out to us you know, tell us what you like, what you don't like, and, and you know, we'll, we'll try to make some adjustments to the show. But, uh, you know, you know, and as always, you can always head over to our website, which is firedup1.podbean.com. You can check out all of our past episodes and has a little bit of information, you know, about the, about the show as well. So appreciate you guys listening. And as always, stay, stay fired up. up.